Welcome to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get help and guidance through the chaos of parenting a child with anxiety or OCD. This show is for educational purposes and is not intended to replace the guidance of a qualified professional. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. Today, I'm going to talk to you about a side effect, an impact that happens with almost all of us who are raising kids with anxiety or OCD, and that is the chaos that it can cause or some disruption in your family due to anxiety or OCD. And this happens for lots of different reasons for different families, but it's almost unavoidable. I don't like to speak in absolutes. I don't want to say it is not unavoidable, but I would say it's almost unavoidable to not have some sort of impact outside of your child related to anxiety or OCD, things that cause disruptions in your relationships with family members, the peace in your family. And it's not your child with anxiety or OCD's fault. We spend a lot of time talking about how it's the anxiety or it's the OCD, but regardless of, of the fact that it's not their fault, they're not doing that on purpose. How do we address these issues that do impact our relationship with our partner, our relationship with our other kids if we have them, the peace in the house, our ability to do things? So I'm going to go through all of the different areas and and after the break, I'm going to talk about some solutions in how we can approach these issues so that we can minimize some of that chaos. But before we get started, I do want to thank NoCD for sponsoring this episode. NoCD offers affordable, effective, convenient therapy. They are available in the U.S. and outside of the U.S. And you can schedule a free 15-minute consultation to see if NoCD is even a right fit for you and your child. Just go to treatmyocd.com. That's treatmyocd.com. The link is in the show notes. I also want to mention that I am starting my self-care series. It's a video series that I do twice a year. Many people like to join it every time. Um, the videos are the same. But the discussions are always different. And I go over um, some things that um, are beyond self-care. So we focus on your perceptions around your child's anxiety or OCD. We address your own triggers, your past issues and fears that impact your child's anxiety or OCD. I help you identify your physical stressors that are indications that you're overwhelmed, how to develop coping mechanisms to respond to those early stressors, how to lovingly detach while helping your child so that you can preserve your energy and your mental health, um, how to spot those that are depleting your energy around the issue, and those that lift you up, and how to find your tribe. So that is just a little bit of what we go into in this free video series. Like I said, it's free. I do it twice a year. It is going on right now, but I make sure that everything is on replay whenever I do anything so that parents who are working or are dealing with anxiety or OCD with their kids can watch it at their own time. There is a a, a period of time, this series ends, and then you won't be able to access it anymore. So definitely sign up. You can go to atparentingsurvivalseries.com. We are, it's February 7th today, 2023. It really isn't, to be honest with you. It's January 23rd for me, but I'm talking to the future self of me. So the second video did come out today. And so you can watch video number one and video number two. There's three in total. And I have a series Facebook group just to walk you through this self-care series. And so we have live classes. So I'll be doing another Facebook live tomorrow. I'll be doing one on Friday, the 10th, and I'll be doing one on Monday, the 13th 
the series ends on the 10th, but the replay will be available all weekend. And then I'll be talking about the AT Parenting community on Monday, the 13th. So if you want to dive deeper and carve out some time to, you know, build a really solid foundation for how you're going to be interacting with your child's anxiety or OCD, that's really important. We're going to talk about why that's important today. And you can just go to atparentingsurvivalseries.com to sign up. I'll put a link in the show notes as well. All right. So let's get on to today. I want to give you a snapshot first of the different areas where anxiety or OCD can show up because I don't want to dive too deep into each one of them. I want to give you a summary and then I want to dive into each one of them. I just think it's better. It's kind of my style to go over the problem in totality and then offer you some solutions in the second half. And that way you're not sitting here listening to one aspect that doesn't really pertain to you. You can see the whole list and be like, oh, well, I've got that issue and I've got that issue. And you can see which ones resonate with what's going on in your house. All right. So the first area that I want to talk about, I kind of broke it down into two areas, relationships and life. And we'll start with relationships. The first one is your relationship. If you have a partner, when we are trying to parent a child who's anxious or has OCD, it often, often impacts your relationship with your spouse or your partner. And that is because you have two people with, uh, you know, who are, who have a problem and that either makes us stronger or it divides us. That's just with anything related to life. And so I do see a lot of issues with relationships where one partner wants to to approach it one way and the other partner wants to approach it a different way or one partner's making it worse and it becomes a big issue because you're learning all these skills of how to approach anxiety or OCD and it can feel really frustrating when your partner is not on board and worse if they are undermining or un- undoing the things that you're trying to do so that is one area that anxiety and OCD can bring in some chaos and that i've seen destroy marriages, to be honest with you. And that makes, you know, the child with anxiety or OCD feel even worse because they're not clueless. They can see the the conflict that's going on. And hopefully for most of you, it is not that bad, but it is a warning sign that it's something you have to work on. The next one, I'm just going to list these. We're going to just talk about them in order, and then we'll talk about how to approach them is your, you know, the other kids. And so the identified child siblings, now maybe all your kids have anxiety or OCD, like mine. And that doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong. That means that there's a strong genetic predisposition in your genes to have anxious kids. And I mean, it's rampant in my family. And so it doesn't matter what skills I have, my kids are going to have some flavor of anxiety or OCD. And that's okay. Because honestly, every family gene pool has something. And I much rather have my kids have anxiety or OCD. And this is just my own personal preference, where it's something I can help them manage. It's something where there's neuroplasticity, where I can teach them how to, you know, train, retrain their brain that can alter their, their neurochemistry. Like there are a lot of hopeful aspects to it. And, you know, you have got families who have kids with all sorts of really difficult struggles, um, health struggles, and it's just part of the deal. So I don't know why I went on about that, but our other kids, whether the one child's anxiety or OCD is triggering the other child's anxiety or OCD, or more often than not, you have all this attention going to one child and it impacts the other kids on many levels. They feel left out or they feel excluded or they feel the brunt of the anxiety or OCD. They're the target of it. 
so many areas where it can impact the other kids in your house. So that's, that's another big one. The last one I want to touch on, and by all means, this is not exhaustive, but these are just the things that I thought of when I brainstormed the the different ways, you know, anxiety or CD can ripple through our family is extended family. And that can cause a big riff in your family, because if you are feeling blamed by your extended family, you know, your mom or dad or your brothers or sisters or, or your friends that can really impact you because it's hard. It might be hard to hang out with your friends because your child has different needs and maybe they don't understand, or maybe for you, it's embarrassing, or you don't like hanging out with some relatives because they make some judgy comments or they don't understand, or they accommodate so many things that can happen with extended family. So that becomes an issue. And when you have these strained relationships, then you become more isolated. And when you become more isolated, you are less able to help your kids or your child because you're tapped out because you're not getting recharged. You don't have an outlet because even outside of your child's anxiety or OCD issues, you are losing energy around you, either with your partner or with your other kids or with your extended family. Not always, thankfully, but sometimes. And it will be much more uplifting the second half of this. <laughs> so you're like, oh my gosh, this is like the, the most depressing podcast episode she has ever made. It won't be, trust me. I like to outline the problem in detail so that we can talk about a solution. And there are solutions for all of these things, not like silver bullet solutions, but there are things that can make it better. So just a little, little help to see the light. Okay, because we're going to move into the second part that can cause some issues, and that's life. And so these are the big ones that popped up for me. They might be different for you, but the first one is, you know, you might feel like you are a prisoner to anxiety or OCD, and especially OCD, where you are hooked in and, you know, stuck in doing OCD loops, OCD compulsions. You are at the beck and call of your child's OCD. Everyone's catering to the child's OCD. Anxiety also can be really difficult because it might make you avoid a lot of stuff. And so you're dealing constantly with, you know, a child maybe refusing to go to school because of their fears of getting sick or their fears of their fears of throwing up or their fears of separating or their fears of just safety. And that stuff can get very, very exhausting. And it's okay to say that it gets exhausting because it does. You don't have to, you know, hold this, this facade of superhumanness. Like you can say, oh my gosh, this is exhausting. You're not blaming your child because it's not their fault, but you're also able to say, phew, this is a lot. This is a lot. The next one is it might impact your ability to do things as a family. And so maybe you guys like to go out to dinner once a week, or maybe you like to do things on the weekends, or maybe you like to take trips and vacations. And anxiety or OCD is showing its ugly face in all of this and preventing or causing difficulty in doing those things. And that can be really rough as well. The next one is meltdowns. Uh, a lot of people have to deal with the byproduct of anxiety or OCD showing up as rage, opposition, defiance, not because they have oppositional defiance disorder or they're just difficult kids, but because they are in crisis mode or fight, flight, or freeze mode, and they don't know what to do. And so uh, a meltdown happens. If you have a child with pandas or pans, flares can, can create these incredible rages that are often unprovoked and, and scary even for the child. And so that's another issue as well. Um, the next two are things that I just added, you know, towards the end, because I'm like, wait, there's some other things I can think of. Financially, it takes a hit. 
therapy is expensive. Buying extra toilet paper, extra water, extra soap, treatment options. Those are all really expensive. And so that can really affect the bottom line of the family and impact some chaotic financial stability. So that that's something to also be aware of. And the last one, and certainly not the only one, there's plenty more, but these are the only, you can't talk about them all. <laughs> but the last one is your mental health. And so there's a lot of parents that are in my AT parenting community and people that I've talked to in person who, who need to get their own therapy and their own support. And this can be due to either they have their own anxiety or OCD issues. The genetic apple doesn't fall far from the genetic tree. I say that a lot. And so you might find that these are all very triggering or brings back your issues or you have your own issues and just the added stress, you know, takes a toll on your own mental health. It might be that you've never had any mental health issues, but just like having a chronically ill child, having a chronically mentally ill child can be very, very draining on your mental health. And so you might need to get your own help or you might feel exhausted or fatigued or hopeless, all the things that come with just being a caregiver to someone in need. And so that's a lot. I think that's plenty for us to dive into, right? Because they're, they're all unique and the solutions for all of them will be different. And so I'm going to break them all down again, but this time we're going to talk about it with a positive slant of some of the things that you can do to help and make it better. So stay tuned. We'll be right back after this break. It's time we put help directly in our kids' hands. Introducing Crushing OCD Course for Kids and Teens. It was way more helpful than all the other therapy we've ever done because we didn't really know what to do. So we weren't really doing it before. So the course helped to figure out what the exposures are and how to do them. We're not in therapy and find it really hard um, to find an ERP trained therapist here. Um, So we're currently with like the public health service, but again, they don't seem to be trained in ERP. It's filled that gap that we don't have that was desperately needed. This was really well timed for us to use between therapists and to help us like start get off to a good start with this new practice. It was easy to use. Um, I was able to do it from my phone or also on the computer. There's different ages, you know, so there were younger kids, there were teenagers. And um, so that was really nice too, to have a variety of ages where it wasn't just geared towards younger kids or older kids. It was a nice variety. It's helpful for our kids to hear it from this like third party as opposed to just us saying it. I really like the offense and defense method. I love working on poking at OCD while it's sleeping. It makes it a little bit easier to do and it's kind of fun. (laughs) I'm planning on using it to work on my uh, fear of like holding or touching batteries and stuff like that. So it was really helpful and I think a lot of other kids would like it. I thought that I was like the only one who had worrying about the weather and stuff. And then there was somebody else on there who worried about the same thing, which was really helpful. Seems less scary to work on stuff now that I've watched this class and I'm more interested to work on it. I like trying to do more exposures still and going to, before I wasn't, I just didn't want to do them. I've worked on some of my bigger compulsions and been successful. I realized it was helpful to do like the exposures before it was like really, really hard. It's still hard, but it's helpful to know that I need to do them. Before there would be a lot of battles about it. So it is definitely less loggerheads. Really, really good course and super helpful. 
definitely would recommend this. It's really easy to follow. It's in nice bite-sized videos. I really like the worksheets that go along with it, and I think it's really helpful. To learn more about this course and register your child or teen, go to atparentingsurvivalschool.com. Welcome back. Okay, so let's dive into these with a little bit more optimism. (laughs) You're like, please, Natasha, Debbie Downer over here. I'm not though. You know, we just, you have to identify the issue in order to come up with some of the solutions. It's important to realize that when it comes to anxiety or OCD, or when it comes to the things that I'm talking about today, there's no beautiful, clean, crisp solution. Life is messy. Anxiety and OCD can be messy. And solutions are not silver bullet answers. There are things that we can do to make life better. It never has to be as bad as it is. That's really my belief in everything. Is there things that we can always do to get through it in a, in, a, in a more helpful way? So let's talk about relationships first, partner relationships. And I do have podcasts on a lot of these things. And so I think what I'll do is I'll link in the show notes, deeper dives into each of these, because I do have, do you know, this is my 300th episode. I meant to say that in the beginning of the show. I never celebrate like milestones. And today, and again, I told you it's January 23rd in my time. I'm in the past, you're in the future. Today is the fourth year anniversary of the AT Parenting community, which is crazy. Four years ago today, might've been a couple days ago, I opened up my membership community and today is my 300th episode of the podcast. And so I have 300 topics, which is a lot. And so I have done a topic on how to work with your partner. I've done one on siblings. I've done one on extended family. I've done one on meltdowns. I've done one on your mental health. So I will link all those because I'm going to touch on these. But if you're like, wait, wait, I want to know more about that. I have a full hour probably for you and I will link it. Not probably. I definitely do. Okay. But we're going to, we're going to go through these. So with your partner, you don't want to ignore an issue because you and your partner, especially if your partner's, you know, in your house. So not, you know, like you're not divorced. That's a, di- that's a separate issue. And that is really tricky as well. And sometimes you can only control what is in your house and you have to let go of control outside of your house, which is not the answer that people want to hear when they're trying to co-parent, but it's the reality. You don't get to control what's happening at that other person's house. You just can't. Even if you say that they have to do something, they won't. And then what are you going to do? And so you really just have to teach your child. And that's really the ultimate goal anyways, to teach our kids how to help their own anxiety or OCD and to do what's right for their anxiety or OCD and get them to build up their skills. But when you have a partner in your house, that's a different story because it's your house and you're trying to develop a therapeutic home environment. If you have someone actively undoing what you're doing, that can be really frustrating. And so sit down with your partner if you can. And the goal is not to convince your partner why they're doing something wrong. The goal is to delineate, that was going to be a hard word for me to say for some reason, responsibilities, like see where, where you can make change and where it's just never going to happen. Like be honest, you know, I've had therapy sessions where I've worked with parents and I could instantly tell I am not going to get him on board. It is not going to happen. I can tell like the minute I talk to him, nope, this isn't going to happen. And then I can tell sometimes when I'm talking to someone, oh, he, I can reach him. You know, he just needs to have it be explained in a different way than I've been explaining it to the mom. I've got him. And so you'll know, you know, there might be, you need to approach this in a different way, 
or it may just be a bridge too far and it's not going to happen. And if that is the case, then you can say, you know, I will handle the anxiety or OCD and you can handle these responsibilities and, and delegate, you know, or delineate responsibilities in the house. If you, if you have the wiggle room to communicate and do that. The problem is we normally come at it by arguing and debating and that puts them on the defensive. And when they're on the defensive, they are less likely to even hear you. They're going to dig their heels in even more. And so it's better to approach it in a non-blaming sort of way. And I do have a deeper dive on that. And um, I'll link that in the show notes for you to work on, but don't ignore that partner relationship because that relationship is really important to, to your happiness. It should be and to your long-term success as a human being. (laughs) I know it sounded so weird, but like your partner is like your lifelong partner, hopefully. And you want to work on that relationship. Even if you feel like, well, my child's on fire, that relationship is equally important, if not more important, because that's your foundation. That's the cement in which you operate. And it's tricky when that cement goes away, you know? And I know that from my own personal experience. And so then you're like, whoa, that can be a little unnerving and, um, discombobulating. So work on that partner relationship at whatever level and be honest with yourself. You know, don't hold that resentment in and be like, oh my gosh, he or she never does anything. And and you're building up all that resentment and that's going to impact your relationship long after your child leaves the house. Okay. I can't spend too much time on each one, but I will give you resources. The next one are your other kids. They have to get the same attention on some level. Um, It's not going to be the same the same amount of focus in the sense that, you know, you have to really pour in a lot of your energy for your child with anxiety or OCD, but you don't want to ignore the one that's not on fire because for a lot of reasons, one, and not to scare you, but you know, genetics is a, is really strong. And so if you are ignoring the four-year-old because you're dealing with a 10-year-old who has anxiety or OCD, that four-year-old could be showing some early signs of anxiety or OCD that you could be looping in and making it a family affair. We're all going to talk about this. Um, at my house, you know, I, my kids have pretty big age gaps. Well, not my two little ones, but my daughter who's 19 now. I mean, I think she's six or seven years older than my other two. And we were dealing with anxiety issues with her. And so we were dealing with it as a family affair. And then my son was having issues. Then my little daughter was having issues, but it became a family dialogue. And so we don't want to lose track of where our other kids are. We don't want to be like so hypervigilant that we're creating anxiety where we don't need to with our own anxiety. But we also want to be cognizant of watching them. Way too many times I hear parents say, you know, I think my little one is just copying the older one. Or they're really rubbing off on my older daughter who has OCD because they're doing other, they're doing similar things. And and really a lot of times it's not. It's just that they are, you know, they also have that genetic predisposition. And we don't want to ignore it and say they're just copying when this is highly genetic and kids you know, it's very, very possible that other kids are going to have it. Now, separate from that, sometimes they just want one-on-one time, or sometimes they just want attention as well. And maybe they are doing really well. We want to still be able to circle around and foster our relationships with them. And so I often tell parents, you know, if you can carve out one-on-one time once a week or a couple times a week, and I talk about this in my self-care series. I talk about a lot of this, actually. We go over pretty much this pretty much my self-care series is about this entire topic because we we dive into our mindset, our perceptions, we talk about our relationships with our kids, our other kids and our partners and we talk about our extended family, we talk about our own mental health. Like I call it the self-care series, but I really don't like that I call it that, but I've already done it and it's already written everywhere so I can't undo it. 
but it really is more like a mindset perception, boundary support self-care series. And so we do go into that. But one thing I do talk about in my series, and it's free, you can sign up for it at atparentingsurvivalseries.com, is carving out time with your other child where it's not impacting you. And so it's learning how to be creative. So when I go and get groceries, my youngest one loves to be my sidekick. And so I don't have to say, let's go get you know our nails done or let's go get Starbucks. Sometimes I'll throw in the Starbucks just for fun if she's coming with me, but I'll say, do you want to go and get groceries with me? And she'll say, yeah. And then that's our one-on-one time, you know, that special time. Um, then I might say, you know, thanks for coming with me here. Let's drive through Starbucks or something. I might make it fun, but it doesn't have to be something separate. If you're like, my plate is so full, when would I have time to do anything? You can find things that you're already doing. Um, if you have a kid who likes to cook and it's not going to be annoying for you to have them in the kitchen, then maybe they help you cook a meal and that's your one-on-one time. The key is to let them know that this is one-on-one time. And so we called it one-on-ones in my house. Um, we haven't done it in a long time. We actually haven't done it since my husband died, which was two years ago. So we haven't really done it at all. But I feel like my daughter, my, so my husband died and then my daughter went off to college a year later. And we're, we're in the second year now, starting February 1st. And it just, it felt like we spent a lot of time together. It didn't feel like it was needed. Like when my husband was alive and there was five of us, it felt really important for each one of us to connect, like my husband and I, to connect with our kids individually, one-on-one. And now it's like me and just two kids, which is such a weird feeling from going from like a big family of five to just me and two kids. And so I feel like there's no need for one-on-one. I feel like they both get like organically, like me and my daughter love to like binge watch TV at night. Now in the past, I'd be like on my iPad working for all these resources that I'm giving you. I would be working way into the night and then I'd go to bed. There was no TV watching. And so I, I think just naturally I have shifted to learn how to take care of myself, to learn how to balance. And those are really important things. We'll talk a little bit more about that when we get to mental health, but we naturally do things. But I think that that's a smart thing to do is to, if you're not, and even if you like call it one-on-one, that makes a difference. If you say, come and come and go to the groceries with me, that's different than let's have some one-on-one time and let's go to the grocery store. You know, maybe we can like swing by and, you know, get a hot chocolate or something. When you, you have to frame it in that language in order for them to feel special. (laughs) It's true. It's true. Okay. Moving on from there, extended family. Okay. I do have a whole podcast episode on this, how to deal with extended family who don't understand anxiety or OCD. I think I have two. I even broke it down further to talk about OCD and one to talk about anxiety. I actually have that, that podcast was like pretty broad strokes. Cause it was like, it was related to whether you have a partner, other kids or family or friends who don't understand anxiety or OCD. So I will link that. But again, it's about realizing who is just overwhelming you. And we talk about this in the series. We actually identify, there's a worksheet to get you to identify like who is charging you up and who is depleting you. And how often do we really think about that? I might have a friend that I love hanging out with who is so fun. But the minute we start talking about my kids, you know, they are, they're giving me their two cents and I don't want it. And it's, it's making me feel angry or like they frustrated that they don't get it. And so we want to really be aware of our relationships with our extended family. And by extended, I mean like your parents or your siblings or your friends and, and to really analyze what do I get out of that friendship or that relationship and what is it taking from me? And can I set boundaries? And so if I have a relative 
or a friend who I don't want their opinion, can I be firm and say, I love you and I love like playing tennis with you or I love going to the movies with you or whatever it is that you do with this particular person. But I really don't like when we talk about my kids. So I don't want to like just not hang out. But if we can just shelf the topic of kids, that would be great so we can just relax. Now, I don't know. That might be too blunt for you. But I have had to do that with a friend. And and I don't know. I don't know how that worked out because <laughs> I don't talk to them that much anymore. But it's important to set boundaries. And if I had a relative who you know gave me two cents that I didn't ask or was accommodating my kids and didn't understand, and I tried to educate them and they didn't understand, I would have to limit that contact. Because you have a finite amount of energy and it's being tapped into every day with your child with anxiety or OCD or your children with anxiety or OCD. And you cannot, that's not a free commodity that you can just give out willy nilly. Like for me, I wake up tired. I don't know. I think I have sleep apnea. (laughs) Something's seriously wrong. But I do. I wake up tired and I go to bed at like, time do I go to bed? I go to bed like 10, like not late. And I wake up at seven. So not too early. And I wake up and like the first thing I say is like, I'm so tired. And I think part of that is, you know, raising kids with anxiety or OCD is, it is exhausting, you know, doing it by myself and not expecting to have to do it by myself and it being sudden. Like that's, I think grief makes you really tired. And I think people think that you get over things like, like you should be okay after two years. Not that this podcast is about that, but the tiredness and like walking around with like this really heavy grief, even when you're able to move on and you're like, you're doing the things you're living the, the, you're living life, you know, and I'm trying to live it well. Like we're traveling a crazy amount because that's all I really care about besides you guys is living for today, you know, not irresponsibly, but having moments and, and really, even if my kids have anxiety or OCD, I want to still live life with them. So if we're going to go to Italy, and my son's going to have a hard time eating because he has ARFID, or my daughter is going to, you know, be afraid that she's going to throw up on the plane because she has emetophobia. We're still going to do it. You know, I mean, I've worked with them, so they're not like being thrown into the fire, but we're going to do these things because we're still going to live life. We're still going to enjoy that. And actually that is coming up. I'm skipping topics, but it's okay. So boundary setting for extended family and friends, big, 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 big thing to do. All right. Moving into life, kind of already kind of slipped into there for a few minutes, but we'll come back out. When you're catering to OCD and anxiety, you can feel hijacked. And I've talked to families, especially in the AT parenting community, because if they've worked with me in person, I've closed my practice since my husband died. So now like I am full-time providing like free resources and paid resources. So this is my full-time job now, which is very exciting. But when I was in practice, I didn't have families that were hijacked by anxiety or OCD because I wouldn't allow that as a therapist. Like we, that's the first thing we work on is no. You are not hijacked. Your child might be, and we're going to work on that. And that does take time, but you do not have to be hijacked. But I do see it a lot in the AT parenting community when parents join me and they haven't been able to find a therapist or get the right kind of support, or they've had the wrong type of therapist. And they come into the community. This is my membership community, the AT parenting community. They come in and they are completely hijacked. Everything is about appeasing the anxiety or OCD, especially OCD. And the first step before anything can happen is pulling back those accommodations and getting your life back. And that's not easy. And that's not fun. There's a lot of big emotions that come when you pull back those accommodations. We're going to get into meltdowns in a minute. Maybe I'll make that the next category since this kind of feeds right into it. And 
I often recommend the space program. Ellie Leibowitz created the space program, which is a parent only pulling back accommodation approach. It's, it wasn't rocket science, to be honest, but it is nice that someone, you know, formulated an approach and did the research on the approach to, to validate it and made it very concrete for clinicians and for parents. And that's what he did. And it just walks you step by step on how to pull back those accommodations one small step at a time because they didn't show up, you know, overnight and you're not going to pull them off overnight, but getting out of those loops will really help your kids. It's the first step in the onion, you know, take off the outer layer, that's you. And then we get to the inner layer, that's your child. And so you can check out his book, Breaking Free from Anxiety and OCD, Breaking Free from Childhood Anxiety and OCD. I did create an online study course for the space program. Initially, I made it for the AT parenting community because I do make resources just for them. They have like their own website and they have access to a lot of things that other people don't have. And so I created a space study guide because a lot of parents were wanting to know about it and they're more visual and I'm a visual learner too. So his book was like, eh, I, I just wanted a visual kind of understanding of it. And so I created a course for them. And then I was like, oh, I should probably make this public. So I did put it in my AT parenting uh, survival school.com. Um, I put it in there so that people can purchase it as well. Um, but you do get it free as an AT parenting community member. And that walks you through like scripts on how to approach your child, how to pick out the things that you're going to pull back the accommodations from. So if you are feeling completely hijacked by anxiety or CD, definitely tap into those resources, whether it's his book or my study guide, or even a space uh, therapist, you can go to his website, spacetreatment.net, I believe it is. And he has a directory and you can try to find a space therapist if you want some handholding and some clinical support with that. So there is help for that. The next one is meltdowns. And he does, Ellie Leibowitz does kind of talk about meltdowns. He talks about supporters, you, you know, he has a whole thing about what to do, but I think it is important to not get squirreled. And I do have a lot of podcasts on meltdowns because it is what happens. And when we stop feeding the anxiety or OCD, our kids will have meltdowns, but it's the anxiety or OCD that's having the meltdown. And a lot of times afterwards, they feel bad. They, they feel remorseful, sometimes not but a lot of times they do because it was the OCD or the anxiety that was having the meltdown, not them. And they felt trapped. They wanted you know, their anxiety or OCD to be satiated and you weren't satiating it. Or they're feeling overwhelmed, like they're, they're stuck in a loop and it's overwhelming for them. And so you see that. Or they have pandas and pans and there's just this flare and really anything can set off a rage. And so I do have, I have a lot of resources on how to handle meltdowns. And so I will link them. I even have a whole entire class in my online school called Difficult Behavior Caused by Anxiety or OCD. And I walk you through and I walk them through, like there's videos for parents, there's videos for kids and teens on how to handle that. But I think the important thing here is how to contain them. And so a lot of times, I just want to mention this for this episode, a lot of times we're so busy dealing with the child who's melting down, we forget about the other people who are around that meltdown that can be very traumatizing. And so in my house, when my son used to have pretty big meltdowns, and again, he's the one with the pans, it was easier for me to get my daughter away than to get him away. It's hard to move someone who's in the middle of a meltdown. So trying to get them, like once they're completely in meltdown mode, it is hard. In my difficult behavior class, I talk about zones and I talk about like the ultimate goal is to train them to go to a zone. And a zone is a place that you've already 
proactively created and you've put things in there that are calming tools and techniques that you agreed on with your child. But to get them to a zone, you have to catch it before it's getting ugly and messy. And once it's like full blown, like they're like rolling on the floor, (laughs) some of you may not have kids that get to that point, but if you have Panas and Pans kids, you probably do. Uh, Then it is time to clear the room. And so with my daughter at that time, would have a code word and I would just get her to go to my room and we would have already talked about that it's not a punishment. I don't want her to have to be around that. I don't want her to be a target of that. And so if I give her the code word for her to go get her headphones, go in my bedroom, lock the door and just watch her iPad or my TV. And that way I was able to just be like, code word, she's gone. I know she's okay. I know she's not hearing this and then I can focus on him. And so thinking about our other kids, if possible, and I know some of you are like, I can't do that for whatever reason. And I get it. This isn't going to be like the silver bullet answer for every single person, but it's just to get you to start thinking out of the box, um, how to approach these things. We can do a million episodes on meltdowns. Um, and I have, and I will link those enough so that I was, you know, created this entire course on it, but this is just a snapshot view of some of the things that you can do. Okay, moving from there, we did already touch on this, but like lack of trips or going out, you know, I think that you don't ideally, and it's, you know, we can speak from ideals, we can speak from reality. In a perfect world, we don't want our child with anxiety or CD ruining our family traditions, our family culture of, you know, we like to go out on Sundays and then they can't go out on Sundays and it winds up being like a power struggle to just get them to go out and then no one's really happy to go out to eat because it was just such a big deal. And so there's a couple of thoughts on this and none of them are perfect. One is depending on how old your child is, if your child's older, then it may not be worth the fighting. If you have, you know, four other people in your family and you guys really enjoy going out to eat once a week and you have one child who really can't do it, then you might go with without them if they're old enough to stay home alone. Or If they can do it, but it's a little challenging, then you can incentivize it. I know this is hard for you, you know, and we love you. We want you to be part of this family and we love going out on Sundays. I'm just making this up, like whatever your family tradition is or whatever it is. And I want you to join. I know that this is hard. And so you can earn blah, blah, blah. You know, if you're able to use your skills and come out with us, it's like an exposure. And so you can incentivize and that can be a helpful thing if, they are on the fence. They're not like on a cliff, but they just need a little encouraging. And trips are tricky too. And there are a lot of times where kids are just too acute to travel with anxiety or OCD and you're just not there yet. And even if you want to be there, you're just not there yet. And so it's building those skills over time. And I have seen kids who are, who are really not there and work on their skills and are able to travel and do all sorts of things. But, and again, lifestyle wise, you may not be able to do this, but you might have it where like one parent takes some of the kids on a trip, you know, and then the other parent takes some kids on a trip or you switch back so that the rest of the family isn't missing out just because one family member can't go. And that's really important because you're still living, right? This is still your life and you don't want to put it on pause because you're waiting until things get better. Because we don't have a crystal ball and our other children, if you have other children, deserve to have their childhood in a way that you wanted to create it. 
And so it's finding that balancing act, which I know is very, very hard to be able to do both of those. And sometimes it's the reality of like, we're not able to do this. We can't go out, but what can we do instead? And maybe the answer is nothing for right now, but having some out of the box thoughts and choices, because sometimes we get stuck in a rut and we're like, this is exactly how it has to be. And it doesn't have to be that way. We can be flexible. We can think out of the box. I know for me, my kids have gotten more resilient because we travel. And so it's not that we don't have issues when we travel. We were in, and we travel a lot now, like a lot. That's just, I think how I'm handling my grief is like, I'm going to soak up my kids. You know, I'm an older parent and, um, I'm 50. (laughs) I don't know. I always tell people my age, I was going to get glasses. And the guy was like, yep, this is what happens when you get older, you know, and you'll be back here every few years just to get a new one. But then I, I'm trying to think what my point was. I was checking out and the lady was like, I would have thought you were 30. And I'm like, you can come home with me. <laughs> I was like, nobody tells me that. It's very nice. But my kids are around. And, you know, I have this very flexible job and we can travel. But when we travel, anxiety and OCD packs up with us. And I do have a whole podcast on traveling and I will link that as well. But I have noticed that they've become more adaptable, more resilient more flexible because we're traveling so much. We travel every single time they have a break. We travel. We went to Denmark over Christmas and my son who has ARFID and the we- the weirdest eating and all he wanted was like Chinese ramen noodles. <laughs> and Denmark has amazing food and he was like starving to death. And so I found a grocery store. We were at an Airbnb that I found and I I found Chinese ramen noodles and I'm like, will you eat these? And he like survived on the Chinese ramen noodles the entire time. I wasn't going to be like, you have to do exposures and we're going to force you to eat things. And cause he already feels bad. You know, and we have one of those open, what are those called? Those open face sandwiches. I, I'm not, I'm not going to try to say it because I'll slaughter Danish, but they're amazing. I was like, you should try this. Like you really should try like their food. And he, he took one little bite and he's like, nope, I can't do it. And then he felt bad the whole rest of the time. He's like, I have wasted all the money because he's got more low CD too. You know, that was such a waste of food and it's not worth it while we're on a trip. Um, so I pack things that I know he'll eat and I will find things at the grocery store and we just keep doing it. My daughter has metaphobia um, and all sorts of stuff. And we just, we take it one step at a time. But ironically, most of the time we have a good time. I would say like, OCD and anxiety ruins about 10% of our travels, which is not bad at all. Considering a few years ago, my son was almost G-tubed for not eating enough. And my daughter was had a 504 plan because she was refusing to go to school because of emetophobia and couldn't go to the cafeteria. She couldn't go to the cafeteria, couldn't go to PE. So I'm telling you that because I want you to know how bad it was at my house. And then their dad died at all that. And they're still doing amazing comparatively. Now I could focus on the things that are going wrong. And whenever I do one of my challenge and win threads, if you're in my Facebook group, I do a challenge and win thread, you know, so every week I have to think of a challenge and then I have to think of the win. And sometimes I I mean, I can think of tons of challenges. It's like, is the glass half empty or half full? Well, yeah. If I told you all the things that they struggle with and all the things that are going on, you'd be like, oh my gosh, that's crazy. That's so much. But when I perceive it as how far we've come and it doesn't impact our life the way that it did, um, it doesn't seem that bad. And so a lot of times perception is really important too, because instead of waiting for things to get better, it's like I'm living while things are the way they are. It's like enjoying life every moment for whatever, whatever things that you can have. Like, and I'm going on a lot of tangents today and I apologize for that. But like when my husband just died, 
I was in like physical and emotional pain. Like my body hurt. I didn't, no one ever talks about grief physically hurting. It hurt. Like my chest hurt. It's hard to breathe. Like it physically hurt to breathe. And this was going on for like months. Like it was like a physical pain. And I remember there were two things that I got really excited about during the day. And it was like, we started watching Survivor as a family, like really old, old seasons as a way to do something as a family. And I bought these mochi ice creams. And so I'd watch Survivor and I'd eat like this little circle mochi ice cream. And it was the best hour of my day because it was the only hour where I wasn't thinking about how my world was turned upside down. I was able to escape and I looked forward. I like really looked forward to that hour and to that show and to that little ice cream. I know that sounds completely stupid, um, but maybe some of you get it, but it was something to anchor me. It was like something I wasn't working. I took like three months off. I wasn't doing anything. And it was something for me to anchor on. Like it was like something that was uh, enjoyable through all this pain, something stupid, but something enjoyable. And we all felt that because my kids would always just all like huddle around the TV and that's what we'd watch. But in life, you can find like, what are your um, enjoyables? What do you savor? What can you savor each day? You're, yes, you might be feeling like you're in, you know, a trench, you're in the middle of a war, or you might feel like you are in crisis mode, but life continues on. And it's like, what am I savoring each day? And it might be, I'm savoring this thing I'm eating, you know? And it doesn't have to be like bad for you. It could be whatever, I'm savoring this. Or one thing that I did also is I'd walk two miles every day. I've stopped doing it for like the last few weeks because I was on this like really bad reset diet plan, which you're not supposed to exercise because it's like you're not eating anything. And luckily I am getting off of that because that was a nightmare, but I couldn't walk. And that really took something away from me because I love walking. But, you know, maybe you look forward to that walk each day, or maybe you look forward to listening to that podcast while you're in line to pick your kids up from school. I look forward to doing laundry because I, I only allow myself to listen to audiobooks when I'm doing laundry, the dishes, or when I'm like driving. And so I don't just sit and listen to them. So they're like, they're savored because I go, oh, I have some laundry to fold. Let me go listen to this podcast or this audiobook that I'm listening to. So you can carve out, you can actually literally create little tasty treats metaphorically throughout your day or one or two a day that you look forward to by creating these routines that bring you joy that you look forward to. They don't have to be, you know, expensive and they don't have to be grand. They can be these little small things that anchor your day in a way that improves your mental health. So I kind of moved us, moved us into mental health. (laughs) I don't remember what we were talking about. I know I went way off, but it's all related to the topic. So this kind of kind of already talked about your mental health, but mental health is really important and pausing to say what things are impacting my mental health and what things can I do. And a lot of times I think people think in big ways. They might say, I can't afford therapy or I can't afford to go get like a massage every week or I can't afford blah, blah, blah. Instead of thinking about what you can't do, think about what you can do, what would help you. And it doesn't have to be directly related to your kids with anxiety or OCD. It does help. And that, you know, that's why I spent a big part of the self care series. The first video is a lot about your perceptions, how you're showing up to your child's anxiety or CD, like how you're viewing it and how you're showing up for it. Because that does impact your mental health. If I think I am in crisis mode, I've lost my kids, I'm in grief because my kids aren't what they were supposed to be, and I can't move past it. And I'm thinking, will this work? Will this work? I just need to finish this. This needs to end. 
that mentality is going to wear me down. If I think, you know, it's just like my child has asthma or diabetes, like, you know, we have to get them the treatment. We have to maintain it. We have to teach them how to administer it to themselves. And we also have to live life. And what things can I do? Have I lost myself in all of this? Have I lost myself as a human being because I'm a parent that's a caregiver? That's a problem because if you've lost yourself, you've lost your identity, you've lost your anchor, you've lost your foundation, and you need a foundation in order to help your kids. And so find yourself again. It doesn't have to be something like I'm going to sign up for language lessons or guitar lessons. I mean, that's really nice and you can do that, but it can be something really simple. Like I'm going to anchor my day. I do this really weird thing. And again, a lot of this happened after my husband died, but I do this like, and it did come with some coaching. I had a therapist initially, and then I moved into like the soul coach. She was really helpful and I love her. And so I still see her and she just kind of helped me like anchor myself back. Um, and now, you know, I'm not really dealing as much with the immediate grief, but I'm just dealing with life and how I want to show up for it and how I want to be present. And I don't want to always feel like I'm in the middle of a fire, right? And so I do simple things in my day to ground myself. And so having some rituals, not compulsions, but rituals of what you do can be really helpful and they can be really basic. And so I have Himalaya salt lamps or I like little dim lamps. So I have like one, it's not a Himalaya salt lamp, but I've got a Himalaya salt lamp in my kitchen and I have one by my bed and I have like this green, really pretty it's like, it's a stone and there's a, there's a light inside of it. So it's very similar. It's like a soft light. And one of the things that I do that she actually taught me to do is when I start my day, I turn on that, that lamp in my kitchen as kind of like this awareness, this intention of I'm starting my day, you know, what do I want for my day? Um, and when I come into my office, I have one in my office and I turn that on, like I'm here to work. I'm turning this on. It's almost, it's like a grounding technique, but it's also like this intention thing. Like I'm here and this is what I'm doing. I love, I look forward to my cup, cup of coffee. Like that's something that's very exciting for me. <laughs> that sounds so stupid, but I have these little different flavors of these little cups. And the first thing I do in the morning is I make myself a cup of coffee and I'm not like, you know, just guzzling it down as I am, you know, throwing my kids' lunches together and I'm like rushing to the car. I'm like, I savor it. I only have one cup of coffee per day now because I used to drink a lot and that wasn't really great for my body. And so I, you know, my kids get dropped off at school and then I make my cup of coffee and then I sit down and I answer all the forum questions uh, and my course questions. So people in the AG parenting community can actually ask me questions. We have like a member only website and there's a forum and the AT parenting community keeps growing and I get a lot of questions. So it's, you know, it's a couple, it's like an hour or two a day. So I, you know, to, to sit down and be in the right mood. I get my coffee and then I'm answering people's questions and picking up where we left off in our conversations. And that's enjoyable because I've tied enjoyment with my coffee and helping people. It feels good in the morning. And so sometimes I go walking, but these are what I do. What do you do? And, and so it may not be Himalaya salt lamps and it may not be your coffee because you may not drink coffee, but it might be something else. You might say, you know what? I like to do this in the morning. And so I'm going to weave that into my routine and I'm going to look forward to it. And that helps your mental health because whenever you can reset your nervous system, set your intentions, and I know that can sound cheesy to some of you, but when I have intention and I'm not reactive, I'm proactive where I'm like, okay, you know, 
this is me, this is not your life, but I'll be like, okay, I'm going to sit here and answer questions for two hours, drink my coffee. And then I'm going to go in here and I'm going to record this podcast. And then I'm going to go for a walk or, and if you're working, it might be, okay, I'm going to go work. And then after work, I'm going to go and pick up something for dinner. But like when you think proactively ahead of time, instead of reactively, it's more calming. And I know that sounds kind of weird and maybe obvious, but I think a lot of us operate from a reactive standpoint in life where, you know, we're, we're constantly putting out fires. We're reacting. Oh, I need to go do this. Okay. I need to go do that. Oh, I shoot. I didn't do this. And when you are more, when you're more purposeful with your day and I'm, I can't be like this all the time, but I find that when I wake up and I'm like purposeful, right? So when I'm driving my child to school and I'm driving back, I'm like, okay, you're going to go home and you're going to work on those questions for an hour. And then you're going to go record this. It calms me because I have some structure to my day. So do what you need to do for your own mental health. Um, and the last one is financial. And so, yeah, therapy is expensive, super expensive. And it's hard to find an anxiety or OCD child therapist. And you can waste a lot of money in other modalities that are not evidence-based, especially for OCD. Um, and that breaks my heart when I hear people spending a lot of money on play therapy for OCD. Now, I love play therapy and play therapy has its place. So don't, if you're a play therapist, don't email me. But, you know, there's evidence-based approaches for OCD that are more of the gold standard, you know, that anyone who's trained in OCD will do. And those are like cognitive behavioral therapists who will do things like ERP, exposure response prevention, or ACT, acceptance commitment therapy. You know, they'll do those CBT type of approaches that are important. And you could be throwing a lot of money down the drain in therapies that maybe aren't the first line approach. Now, sometimes we have to get creative when things aren't working, but those are the first line approaches for at least OCD. CBT definitely for anxiety, um, but there's a lot of things that can work for anxiety. OCD is a little bit more, in my opinion, peculiar because it's uh, it's a different kind of disorder. But sometimes we can't afford treatment at all. And so finding your support is important as well. And there are luckily in this day and age, other aspects. There are good books. Talking back to OCD by John March is old, but he's it's one of my favorites. There's a lot of good books. I have a lot of resources on my website uh, on books that are helpful for anxiety or OCD. There's a lot of kid books that are helpful. And there's courses. I mean, I have an entire school of courses that are online, on-demand videos, worksheets that will walk you through everything I teach kids in my practice, everything I teach parents in my practice. And sometimes parents have to, to do that to fill in the gap before they can afford ongoing therapy. And that's why I offer it. That's why I created it because I know that there's parents who don't have that. Actually, when I was in when I was in my practice, I would have parents take my courses for free. I'd give them a coupon code so that I could save them time and money. It's like boom, now you know all the foundational stuff. Now we just have to tweak it. And that was really helpful and time-saving. And I do find that a lot of therapists have their clients do that because a lot of people, a lot of students will say, My therapist told me to take this. Or they'll say, I got into therapy finally. And my therapist goes, Wow, where did you learn all this? Like we can just jump right in now. And it saves time and money. So you can check all those courses out at atparentingsurvivalschool.com. I'll leave a link in the show notes. But there's also, like, there are support groups that you can join. The IOCDF has lots of support groups or they have local chapters. Go to their website at iocdf.org. Um, Treat My OCD, that's no CD. Can They contract with insurance agencies. And so you might be able to find um, significantly less expensive therapy through them. 
And so that's treatmyocd.com. And then there's people who join my membership community at AT Parenting Community. A lot of them have therapists. A lot of them didn't when they joined and they were using it as a kind of like a, a fill-in until they got the, the in-depth support and they stayed because it's a great supplement. A lot of times therapists will say, join this, join this community and you'll have that ongoing support while I help you as well. So having someone who can answer your questions and having uh, courses at your disposal and having Zoom support group calls and having the forums to ask me questions and our private Facebook group to ask members questions, like having that family support, that like virtual family support is, is huge. And it impacts all the things that we're talking about because, you know, if you can't afford therapy or you don't have uh, your own support or your friends and family are, uh, they deplete you, not charge you up in this particular area, or you need to know some skills on how to pull back your accommodations for anxiety or OCD or how to address the meltdowns. The difficult behavior class is uh, you get free access to that as a member. As far as uh, catering to anxiety and OCD, you get the space study guide. You get free access to that as a member. And so there's a lot of stuff that's packed into um, what will cost you the same as a copay per month. So for $30 a month, which is less than a copay for a lot of people, you get all of that 24-hour support. So we are opening up the doors to the AT Parenting community after my free series is over. So if you are interested, get on the wait list because the wait list does get an email and they get a little like bonus offer. So it's, it is really important to get on that wait list if you can. And you can just go to atparentingcommunity.com, get on that wait list. Uh, but take advantage of my free series because that's going on right now and that will end next week. And you can go to atparentingsurvivalseries.com. Sorry to throw all these uh, websites at you. Well, I hope that you found this podcast helpful. It's going to be a lot of linking. So definitely check the show notes because if you want a deeper dive on any of that, you will be able to find it there. If you are enjoying the podcast, don't forget to hit a star and review it. I appreciate that. If you have a few extra minutes and you can leave a review, you know, I love when you do that. And I like to show my appreciation by reading one of those. Actually, quite a few of you have left reviews in January. So thank you. I really appreciate that. And I just keep, I'm going to go, go through them in order. So if I'm not reading your review, I will read it as we go through them. I want to thank uh, JRB304 who wrote Beyond Helpful. I've been listening to Natasha's podcast and watching her YouTube videos for about four months. And I've learned so much. Having access to literally years of podcasts is incredibly helpful, right? This is number th- 300. I find that I need to take notes because our tools work so well, as long as I can remember them. Um, because you read these, thank you, Natasha, for helping us through social anxiety. My daughter and I both have anxiety, and so I'm learning for two. And I love hearing that because I do feel like that's my hope. It's like, one, if you have your own anxiety, this is going to help you too. And two, even if you don't, like there are life, life skills that we're working through in almost every episode that we talk about. So I love that it's helping you and your daughter. Thank you for taking the time to write a review. I really appreciate that. And maybe if you write a review, I'll be reading yours too. Um, I will be reading all the ones that have been left as I go through them. I hope that you find the sparkle in everything you do. I look forward to seeing some of you in the series and I'll talk to you again next Tuesday. Take care. Thank you for listening to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. To get additional support raising a child with anxiety or OCD, visit Natasha's online school of on-demand classes at atparentingsurvivalschool.com. 